0: Hey guys, my name is Michael. If you guys don't know me, I'm one of the leaders here at Youth, and we are excited because we are in work week three of our series practice, and uh, and we're pumped. We're excited, and uh, we'll let the juniors leave. They're a noisy little bunch, hey? Eh? Those little ones. They're fun. All right. Uh, okay, one thing off the bat. Uh, if you might have saw the back, two bucks, and you can buy a Herschel ba- or get a Herschel backpack uh, if you enter in. We're going to keep it for this week and next week. And then if you can, um, this is all because we have 10 of our students going to Mexico uh, spring break. Uh, so next week is a bottle drive. So if you have extra bottles laying around at home, or if you're just like a, you know, like a Coca-Cola addict or whatever, just bring those cans to us. That's all we want. Alright, week three. Uh, This is what we're talking about. We, for the last couple weeks, have gone through discipleship, we went through prayer, and then today we're going through Bible. This thing is one of the most important things that you'll ever even look at, experience, see, hold, whatever. This is absolutely astonishing when you begin to actually think about it. And what happens is when you look at this, when you read this... Certain things come to mind, okay? Uh, 1 John 1.5, right? John, this longtime disciple of Jesus in his uh, old age, looks back at his life, and this is what he writes. First 1 John 1, 1.5, this is the message that we heard from Jesus, dot, 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 and he would carry that thing on. Now, some of you have grown up in church for a really long time. You've been here, you kind of assume how this thing works, And every single one of us would have an answer to this kind of a statement. This is the message that we heard from Jesus. Dot, dot, dot. Whatever you would fill in after that. And now that's what I want you to think of. What is the thing that you would believe is Jesus' message to the world? What do you think it is? What do you think it can do to someone? How much it can change people on the inside? This is what I heard from Jesus. This is what we have to first understand. What did he tell us? What are the implications of what he's saying for us to do? And what you do is you begin to realize that this is where you find those answers. This is where you begin to see that the little bit of what Jesus can do in the heart of a life. And it all starts with the attitude. We're talking a lot about... some. our journey on, on this track of wanting to be disciples. And I want to show you one man's journey really quick before we kind of get into any of the rest of it. And you find it in, uh, if you have a Bible, go to John chapter 21, okay? Gospel of John chapter 21, and we're going to be in verses 15 to 19. John 21, 15 to 19. If you have a Bible, pull it out. We're not going to put anything on the screens anymore. So if you have a phone, grab your phone and go through it with us. It's this attitude. It's this feeling towards discipleship. And I want us to kind of have a right perspective about it. This is what it says. Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15, says this. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, right, the same Peter that does dumb stuff all the time, all throughout the Bible, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, in kind of these two brackets, it has this kind of like addition. And it says this, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. You read that, and you're kind of going like, okay, I get the gist of it. He's kind of repeating the same question over and over and over again to Peter, but what does this really kind of mean? Uh, last night, we were kind of talking about this in, uh, in LEAD. We have like 16 students in this program. We're talking about how when people don't know the meaning of a word, just one single word. And you know, in the Greek language, right? So the New Testament was written in Greek, and these are just translations into English. There are six words for the word love. Six words for the word love. The three top ones that we constantly talk about in Christian circles are the first one, which is um, eros, which is like, uh, like, like, hey. You want to make a baby? Like that kind of love? So baby-making love? Okay, that's the first one. Eros is this like baby-making love, like this, this, you know, put the candles on, whatever. And uh, so that's the first one. The second one is this philio, uh, a, a okay? So you know the city Philadelphia in the States? Philadelphia, it's, it's brotherly love. That's what the city means. It's philio. It's this brotherly love. And then the the highest one that we talk about in Christian circles all the time is agape. It's this um, undeserving, impossible, high point love. It's the highest possibility of love that you can have, okay? So you got Eros, you got the, let's pop out a baby, you got Philia, which is I love you like a brother, and then you got agape, which is like unfailing, undeserving love, the highest of the high. That's what you got. So now what I want to do is I want to reread this story one more time, and I want to add in those words of how they're using it to one another. This is what it says. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Do you love me more than anything else? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me like a brother? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you like a brother. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So here's Peter, right? Peter's the dude, right? He's the guy. He's the man that we always talk about. Peter, uh, so like Christian, you know? Peter. And here in this conversation, you got Jesus talking to Peter. He goes, hey, bro, do you love me above everything? Above everything, Imagine yourself in those shoes right now. Do you love me above everything in your life? Jesus is face to face with you. Do you love me above everything? And I think there's a part of us that would love to say yes. But if we were being honest, like completely honest, that's what I love about Peter. He might be dumb at times, but he's so truthful. And Peter just responds back like, no, Man, I love I love you like a brother, but not more than anything else. And how many of us would be in that same situation where Jesus would ask us, and we would have to just, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we'd have to say, no. And that's where we have to start. Do not put yourself in this place where, like, man, I am, like, uber-Christian. I am the best Christian My favorite human on earth, Chris Tomlin, you know? My favorite movie, the the Christian movies, you know? Favorite TV show, Veggie Tales, obviously. And we try to put on this facade, we try to put on this mask, this face where we go, man, like, I'm so Christian. And at times we have to ask ourselves on this journey to discipleship, the very first thing is just be honest. Because what you see here is this beautiful picture where you get Peter at the very beginning going, you know what, no, I'm not there yet. And then the very last two verses tell us something very interesting. Verse 18 Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then remember those brackets. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. The beautiful part of this passage is it doesn't just tell you what happens to Peter at the beginning. It tells you what happens to him at the end. It shows you the journey. Listen, you may start off in a place where You doubt a lot of things. You have a lot of questions. You may love other things more than Jesus, and you know you shouldn't. But that's honestly where you are. And let me be the first person to tell you that's okay. It's a starting point. It's baby steps. Because look at what happened to Peter. He was the guy started in that same position at the end of this story when he goes to die and he is being crucified for this belief in Jesus. He looks to the guy and says, listen, I know you guys want to kill me and you want to crucify me in the same way that Jesus died, but I can't die the same way as him. So flip me upside down. The, the very same guy... Who started off going, I don't love you more than anything, ends off going, kill me even worse. What? That's so crazy for us to think this. And then he goes on to have these expressions of Jesus. Look what he says, First Peter 2, 22-25. Uh, have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The same guy who started off with doubts, who started off with questions, ended as a disciple, who gave everything to Jesus, and that's the journey we want us all to go on. So if you have those times where you're going, listen, I'm just not there, you can be. It's this beautiful thing that we begin to see. And the first thing that goes into us is where our minds are. I love what this one guy says. He says, the deepest revelation of our character, the deepest revelation of our character is what we choose to dwell on in thought. What constantly occupies our mind. The revelation of our character, the thing that shows us who we really are is the thing that occupies our mind. So if you sit there, all you're doing is thinking, I don't know, sexual thoughts that constantly just pops into your mind, reveals something about how you think, how you feel about things. And what occupies your mind is the main thing about this. That is what this is calling us to do. That we just dig into it. That we look at it. That we just realize that whatever this is, this book, whatever you have on your phone, that this thing has changed the course of history. Everything is different because people put this together. Not just because of how great it is in literature or how great the writing is. No, no, that's not the, it's the contents of the person who this is all about. The very guy who came in is the crossroads of history. The reason why it's 2017 is because of Jesus. Don't, right? When you used to say 30 B.C., 2017 A.D., why do we call it those things? before Christ. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. The reason why our time is the way that it is is because Jesus existed the very center of all things, the very person who came and changed everything for us is what this book is about. And first off, before you do anything else, the desire has to be there to look at him and go, he's not just the guy who lived here on earth, but he's God who came in my loneliness, in my brokenness and wanted me. If you're saying to yourself, listen, I want to be a disciple, I want to be someone who follows him. And there's a clear way to do that. It says this, John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, if you abide in my word, if you stick to, if you stand by, if you, just, if you are just with all the time, my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's kind of crazy when you begin to think about just the things that we imprison ourselves to at times. You're going to get to a point where you start driving, and you notice it now all the time, too. The amount of people that text when they drive, right? That you feel such a, such a loneliness, That people would want to be texting as they go because they're fearful of not being connected. I have to be plugged in. I have to be looking at something or talking to someone because there's this random fear of being alone. All the time. What's like the big buzzword now? I can talk to anyone and go like, hey, dude, how are you doing? Man, I'm busy. You know, I'm busy. It's the hype word now. What are you doing? You know, I just have a lot going on. And it's true. You see those juniors over there? You know what their parents put them in? You know, they got swimming on Sundays, volleyball Mondays, soccer Tuesdays. They're learning how to be a wizard on Wednesday. Like they're just into everything. Their schedules are stacked, and we're teaching them from the beginning to go, listen, this is your life. Just stick to all of these different things. Don't let yourself be alone. Don't let yourself move into a greater relationship of just being okay alone. And that's the part that scares us about this. When Jesus says, abide in my words, stick to what this is talking about. The, the reason why we say it is because, you know what, I feel like reading my Bible is like really boring. My thoughts wander, I think about a bunch of different things, I just don't really like it. And at times, I think we use that as a mask because we're afraid of being alone with it. Of what it might teach us. Of what we might see in ourselves. Of what Jesus is calling us to be. It's terrifying. Of what spending time with this will do to us. And we just have this natural sensation to want to reject change because it it goes at our personal identity. I like the way I am. I like the way I talk. I like the way I do things. I'm good where I I don't need to be changed. I don't need what happened to Peter to happen to me. The first step I think we all have to take is let's just be honest. You have to have this desire. You have to have the love. You have to have the care to look at Jesus and go, You are who I want above all else. And carry on from there. And so the second part of this is the discipline. It's it's putting this into practice. This, This book here, this Bible, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's putting the effort in. It's working towards doing something. I was, uh, I was listening to uh, this interview on YouTube, and it's this, the Hollywood Reporter, okay? It's like this magazine or whatever. And, uh, and what they do is they have all the Oscar actors all together in a round table, and they just talk about their stuff, right? And uh, there's this movie called Moonlight, and uh, the actor's name is like Maharshala Ali or something, and uh, he was shooting three different gigs all at the same time right? So he was doing Moonlight, he was doing um, the TV show House of Cards, and then he was doing something else. And that was his work. That's the thing that he had to put effort into in acting. And all of the characters that he had were so different. And so all of a sudden, he just kind of goes into it. He says, man, I had to put so much time into this. Like, and the thing that I was afraid of was the bleed over, that I would start acting like this character over here and I was acting like this guy over here, and all of a sudden the characters will all kind of mesh and sound the same. But there's such different people. And what he began to do is he put things in place, he he practiced things, he put things there that, that would change the way he did things. And so he made playlists of the music that he thought each character would like. And as he drove to the next gig, he would listen to that playlist as he went and got himself into character and boom, went and acted. Interesting that he, he would put so much work into this. And then there was this movie that we went and watched on Friday with a bunch of our youth leaders, and the movie's called Silence. You guys ever heard of the movie called Silence before? It's... Uh Directed by this guy named Martin Scorsese, who is like a genius when it comes to directing. He's directed tons of movies, won Oscars off the he's, and he writes this movie, and it's with uh, Andrew Garfield, the guy who used to play the old Spider-Man, and Adam Driver, the guy who played Kylo Ren in Star Wars, and they're two Jesuit, Jesuit priests, right? They're two Christian guys, and they're going to Japan, and Japan has outlawed Christianity. And they go there and they're trying to find their mentor who all of a sudden they go there and the whole movie just breaks your heart because it's these two guys who love Jesus so much and they're, they're doubting, they're having all these troubles, they're asking God for all of these things to occur. All of a sudden people start dying left and right for their faith and the, the Japanese would put down a uh, picture of Jesus and they say, if you want to live, you would step on him and recant. You would say, I don't believe in this anymore. The whole time we're sitting there and our hearts are wrenching like there's this one girl next to me literally just the whole time like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. And I'm like, are you okay? Oh my gosh, right? So that's what's happening the whole time. So we're watching this movie. The whole time as you're watching it, the question just goes through your mind over and over and over again. Would I do this? And the very last thing and, and the beautiful tension of this whole movie is that it leaves you with this question when you're going through things in life, when things are happening to you, is it really about the silence of God or is it about the deafness of man? Is it really about the fact that he is not talking or is it about we do not know how to listen? God, this is happening to me right now. Do something. Say something. Talk to me. God, why are you ignoring me? Talk to me, please. Why are you so silent? And at times I think he's looking to us, screaming, going, stop trying to look at what I'm going to say and look at what I have said. And we never think to do this. To just go back and go, I can have fresh things now because of what he's shown me. What he's talked to me about, how he's revealing Jesus to me in this. That the practice, the effort of experiencing Jesus in this will change you forever to encounter him. It changes you. Because in that same interview where he's talking with all the actors, Andrew Garfield is in that, in that round table. And he has just shot um, Hacksaw Ridge, which is this movie about a Christian guy at war. And then he shot this one. So two very heavy Christian movies. And he starts talking about this old, this old uh, uh, priest. His name is St. Ignatius of Loyola. And he's the one who created this thing called the Spiritual Exercises, which is basically the foundation for all 12-step programs that happen now. So um, AA, Freedom Session, all those things. He started basically the first one, the Spiritual Exercises. So Andrew Garfield, this famous actor, says, you know what, I'm going to go and do it. And me and Adam Driver are going to go through these spiritual exercises. And he talks about disciplines in this beautiful way because he goes and he does it. It's a month-long thing. He finishes it. He accomplishes it. And after he came back, this is what he said to a room of people who don't love Jesus. He goes, I spent the time with him, reading the book, praying, praying, doing all of these things. And after the month was over, I couldn't help but just love Jesus at the end. And then he goes to clarify, and I don't find myself as a Christian. He goes, I'm agnostic. I'm I'm a pantheist, sometimes an atheist, mainly Jewish. I'm confused. And he goes, I couldn't help but just love him by the end of it. And then he said this line that I've been thinking about. He goes, It was beautiful because as I just encountered him in his word, it's like I saw things in my soul finally awake for the first time that I realized that I can walk with and dance with for the rest of my life. Think about that. This non Christian guy reads the Bible. And comes away going, I felt like things awoke in my soul that I realized that I'm going to walk with and dance with for the rest of my life. And then the question comes, do we feel the same way? non-Christian guy, reading the Bible for the first time comes away from it and goes, my heart is different. Everything about me is different because of Jesus. And you compare that to our experience where it's not the same. If you abide in my words, you will be my disciples. You will read the truth and the truth will set you free. to practice, to put the time to sit there to think that this might be the thing that you've been waiting to hear from him. It's a beautiful reminder for all of us. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're not going to want to do it, but you have to to encounter him, to experience him. That's why they call it a discipline. It's hard. You don't naturally wake up on a Saturday and go, all right, uh, Deuteronomy, all right, let's get the boys together, come on. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy says we gotta kill a cow. Jeff, you know a cow? Yep, okay, let's get the knife and let's do it. Come on, no. You have to sit there with it. That you see these things. You you look at these pictures that it begins to give you. And you should crumble at these words. Yesterday as we're kind of talking at Lita, I was just kind of mentioning this, this one chapter. The Jewish people actually have forbidden from saying it in the synagogues because of how beautiful it actually is talking about Jesus. And I want you to hear it. If you feel so inclined, you can close your eyes, but I want you to listen to this, almost if if it was for the first time. It's Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people... And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And you read that and something should happen to you when you read that as a Christian. Your heart should be moved. It should be changed. And in that same way, it seems like things of my heart have awoken, and it seems like now I can walk and dance with them for the rest of my life. But the God who so cared and loved you, even in your loneliness, even in your fear, would send him to take that for you. to remind yourself of the things that are in your mind all the time or the things that shouldn't be. Let this be the thing that replaces it. And the last practical note that I want to do is this. Last week we did the whole, you know, look at the the door to whatever the place that you kind of chose was and go through it, and hopefully some of you guys have applied that to your life. And this one, what I want to do is I want us to have this take over our minds, to think about it. And one of the things we've forgotten to do is this whole idea of memorization. And so all I want us to practice for this week is I want us to go through this. I want us to choose one verse, one single verse, and I want us to just retell that verse over to ourselves every day. The same thing, every single day, over and over and over and over again. It's not about length, but it is about consistency. Just to do it every day, say the same thing. It can be the most cliche verses you've read forever. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, John three sixteen. whatever it is that you want. Just choose that one thing and say it every day. That if you want to be a disciple, you have to abide in his word, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Pray that we hear that. I pray that we respond to that and we see Jesus more because of what we do with that book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these students as we get to just encounter this for the first time, that we get to see it maybe for for the millionth time, and let it just illuminate our hearts. Let it just show us something about ourselves, God. That we can see your Son the one so beautiful in there. We try to deal with that book so many different things, but I pray that you would just use it to illuminate us, to allow us to think about you in such a crazy way, God. You take over our thoughts, our hearts, and we just long to know you more. And that's tonight, that we can look at the people around us and we can just be joyful that they're here with us as a community, to love you deeper. And in this, we thank you, God. And just want to pray. Amen.